Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. What a blessing it is for us to be able to be together on this Lord's Day to worship God and to study his word. I'm especially, my family and I are especially grateful to be back where we belong with our Monta Vista Church family. We were in New York for a few days last week. We were able last Sunday to worship with a wonderful congregation out in Brooklyn and the congregation there certainly sends greetings to you and we certainly had a wonderful time on vacation there but there's no place like home and being with our church family here at Monte Vista we certainly appreciate the elders allowing us to get away from time to time and we especially are grateful to be back here today names names one of the things that we all have in common this morning is we all, we all have a name. We all have a name. For some of us, we have names that were given to us by our parents, right? Others like myself were given our names by an aunt or an uncle or maybe one of our grandparents. Some of you were maybe named after a parent. Or maybe you have a name that means something very significant. Or maybe you have a Bible name. Or maybe you don't even really like your birth name and you prefer to go by a nickname. Names are a significant part of our lives. Names are a big part of our vocabulary. Names are what we use to help identify one another and know each other and distinguish ourselves from each other. Names are a very vital and, and critical part of our lives today. And let me tell you something, they were also a very critical and vital part of people's lives in the time of the Bible. Names also take up a lot of space in the Bible, in fact, in some books of the Bible, entire chapters are devoted to listing a bunch of names. Take, for example, Genesis chapter 5. In Genesis chapter 5, we have a bunch of names. And then you look at chapters like Ezra chapter 2 and Ezra chapter 10 and Nehemiah chapter 3. And the first nine chapters of the book of First Chronicles and chapters like Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 3 that give the genealogy of Jesus and chapters like Hebrews 11 that give us a list of people who in times past had great faith in God and chapters like those found at the conclusion of many of the Apostle Paul's epistles. Take, for example, Romans chapter 16. If you go home today and read Romans chapter 16, one of the things you're going to see is in that chapter, Romans 16, the Apostle Paul lists nearly 30 names, nearly 30 names of individual Christians. Some of those names are Jewish names. Some of those names are Gentile names. About a third of those names are the names of women. They're the names of women who faithfully serve King Jesus. In Romans chapter 16, the Apostle Paul lists a bunch of names, and you put that with what Paul also says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, as the Apostle Paul ends his contribution to the New Testament, he mentions the names of 16 disciples and the final 13 verses of that chapter. And then please go in your Bible to Colossians chapter 4. 
Will you go in your Bible with me to Colossians chapter 4 this morning? For those of you who are members of this congregation, you know that for the past several months, we have devoted ourselves to studying at least one sermon a month from each of the four chapters in the book of Colossians. Remember, we pointed out in this series that the book of Colossians is a wonderful book that is devoted to the theme of growth. It is devoted to the theme of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. It is devoted to the theme of increasing and bearing fruit and becoming better in our service for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you remember in chapter 1, we learned that a big part of growing and becoming better in our service for Jesus Christ includes growing in our understanding of Jesus Christ. It grows growing in our knowledge of the Lord's identity and the sufficiency we have in him and how because he cut off our sins at the point of baptism, we should strive to live for him every single day. That is essentially what the first three chapters of the book of Colossians is all about. And now I want you to notice with me how Paul concludes this great letter, starting with verse number seven. In Colossians chapter 4, beginning with verse number 7, after the Apostle Paul spends time in chapter 3, in the first six verses of chapter 4, talking about how we should respond and how we should live because of what Jesus has done for us through his blood and because we have access to forgiveness from God. In chapter 7, or chapter 4 in verse 7, Paul concludes the letter with these words. Verse 7. As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother, and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information, for I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you will know about our circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas, Barnabas' cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his, in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you. And for those who are in Laodicea and in Heriopolis, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha in the church that is in her house when this letter is read among you. Have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you for your part read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. I want you to let those verses kind of just soak in your heart for just a few moments. I want you to notice how, like 
in the books of Romans and 2 Timothy and Titus and even Philemon, the Apostle Paul concludes this book by listing a bunch of names. He lists a bunch of names. He lists the names of a bunch of spiritual co-workers and co-laborers and fellow disciples who did a marvelous job serving God and serving Jesus and serving brothers and sisters in Christ. And some of these names, some of these names should be familiar to us, right? For example, Barnabas. Barnabas should be familiar to us. And Luke, the beloved physician. He should also be familiar to us. And that guy Onesimus, who's mentioned in verse number nine, well, that's the same Onesimus who's also mentioned all throughout the book of Philemon. All of those names are very familiar names to us as Bible students today. But in this lesson, as we wrap up this series from Colossians, I want to quickly highlight four other names that deserve our attention. And the first name I want to highlight from this section is first, I want to highlight Mark. I want to highlight Mark. Mark is mentioned in this text in verse number 10. And Mark is another person in this list who has a name that should be very familiar to us. We should all be familiar with who Mark is because Mark was inspired to write the gospel of Mark. And Mark is also the same guy who's mentioned all throughout this book we're reading right now. He's mentioned all throughout the book of Acts. In fact, if you recall in your Bible reading from last week in Acts chapter 12, the Bible tells us that the Jerusalem church, by the time you get to Acts 12, the Jerusalem church was meeting for prayer in the house of his mother. Paul also tells us that Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. And evidently, prior to this letter, the Apostle Paul had spoken very highly of Mark to the Colossians. In fact, notice how he tells them in verse number 10 to welcome Mark if he happens to come to them. I got to tell you that that is kind of shocking to hear Paul say that about John Mark, especially when you consider the past experience that these two guys had with each other. When you go in your Bible to Acts the 15th chapter, keep your Bible marker at Colossians chapter 4, but we're going to go to Acts 15. We're going to be reading from Acts the 15th chapter in a few weeks, a couple of weeks in our Bible reading. But I want to read a few verses now from Acts 15 because there's some interesting things we learn about a past experience between the Apostle Paul and John Mark on this occasion. And so in Acts, the 15th chapter, look with me, please, at verse number 36. This is right before the Apostle Paul begins his second missionary or preaching journey. In Acts, the 15th chapter, in verse 36, the Bible says, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also, but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia, Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp notice, such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas 
and left being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Notice what you find going on there in those verses. Notice how in those verses we find something taking place that often takes place with people who are involved in a project with each other. And that is you find disagreement here. There's a disagreement going on here. The Bible says that Barnabas and the Apostle Paul, before they go on their second missionary journey, they have a disagreement about Mark. Specifically, the text says that they have a sharp disagreement about Mark. You know what that means? That means that this is serious. This was ugly. They really were not seeing eye to eye on this. They were having a serious disagreement on this occasion. Since Mark had deserted them evidently on the first preaching journey, the Apostle Paul didn't want to mess with him anymore. The Apostle Paul did not want to take John Mark with them on the second missionary journey while Barnabas, the son of encouragement, the great optimist, Mark's cousin, well, he wanted to give Mark another chance. He wanted to give Mark an, an opportunity to redeem himself. He did not want to give up on Mark. There is a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas on this occasion. And I really like how instead of allowing this disagreement on a matter of judgment to hinder the work of God, what they decided to do was just split up. They decide to part ways. Barnabas, who's actually from Cyprus, he takes Mark, his cousin, and they go to Cyprus. They go to, they go to visit family. They probably have, Barnabas probably has family in Cyprus. And when you become a Christian, one of the first things you usually want to do is you want to convert your family. And so Barnabas is going to Cyprus, and he takes his cousin with him. They go on to, they go on to be with family. While the Apostle Paul, he takes a guy named Silas, and he goes to preach in, in places where the gospel has never been proclaimed. They don't let the devil hinder the work of God because they have a disagreement. They have a disagreement, but they decide to split up and keep preaching the gospel. But I'm going to tell you something. It is interesting how over the course of time, Barnabas was right. Barnabas was right about John Mark. You see, the apostle Paul took this second preaching journey between 50 and 52 A.D. And you know when the book of Colossians was written? Colossians was written about 10 years later and about 63 A.D. You know what that means? That means that over the course of time, the Apostle Paul changed his mind about Mark. The Apostle Paul regained confidence in Mark. The Apostle Paul realized over time that Mark had grown and he had matured and now he was very useful in the service of the kingdom of God. We see that here in Colossians, but we also see that in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Will you go in your Bible, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. The book of Colossians was written in 63 AD, about 10 years after Paul's second preaching journey began. But 2 Timothy was actually written four years after Colossians and about 67 AD, not long before Paul would be killed by the Roman government because of his faith. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and in verse 11, before Paul closes this book, he says in verse 11, only Luke is with me 
pick up Mark. Notice, pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Notice how Paul clearly, he clearly changed his mind about Mark. He clearly regained confidence in Mark. He clearly went from thinking that Mark was not useful in the service of God to thinking that he was extremely useful. You know what this shows us? This shows us that Mark did exactly what the book of Colossians is all about. Mark grew. Mark grew spiritually. Mark matured spiritually. Mark did not let whatever situation he had on the first preaching journey be the end of his story. The Apostle Paul regained confidence in John Mark, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by what the Apostle Paul tells us about Mark. I'm encouraged because Paul's information about Mark helps us understand that no matter what fumbling and bumbling and mistakes and disappointments we are currently making in our lives right now, those things don't have to define us. Those things don't have to be the end of our story. We don't have to stay stuck right, what we, where, right where we are. Instead, like Mark, we can grow. We can get better. We can become better servants for Jesus. We can mature. We can become better today and tomorrow, next week and next month and next year for Jesus. And we can be very, very useful. In fact, it may be that God blesses us with a Barnabas who helps us get that way. You know, when I think back to my early days as a Christian and even my early days in preaching the gospel, I'm thankful that I had more Barnabas in my life than the, than the Apostle Paul's. I'm thankful that I had a lot of Barnabases. I'm thankful that I had a bunch of people who were older and wiser and very encouraging in my life who despite all the blunders and mistakes and fumbles and, and all just the immature things I did, they wouldn't give up on me. They wouldn't write me off. They wouldn't lose patience with me, but they would continue to help me grow. John Mark grew. He grew spiritually, and Paul says that he was very useful now in the service of God. That's the first name I want to highlight from this section, but a second name I think we need to highlight now is this guy named Epaphras. Go back to Colossians chapter 4 and notice how in verses 12 through 13, the Apostle Paul mentions Epaphras. He calls Epaphras a bondservant of Jesus Christ. The idea of Epaphras being a bondservant of Jesus Christ means that Epaphras was a slave of Jesus Christ. Epaphras belonged to Jesus Christ. He was loyal. He was the real deal, an authentic, genuine disciple of Christ. He was a worker for Christ. In fact, if you go back and look at verse number 12 very carefully, if you look at verse number 7, I'm sorry, look at chapter 1 and verse 7. When you look at chapter 1 and verse number 7, Paul says, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant who's a faithful servant of Christ, when you look at that verse very carefully, it appears that Epaphras may have, have started this church. 
he may have been the first one to teach the Colossians the word of God. In fact, not only was he someone who may have taught the Colossians the word of God before anyone else, but going back to chapter four, Paul says that Epaphras did some other wonderful things in the kingdom of God. First, when you look back at chapter four and verse 12, Paul tells us that Epaphras was an encourager. He was a great encourager. He was an encourager like Barnabas. That is exactly what Paul means when he uses the word greeting. The word greeting that you find in verse 12, of chapter 4, is a word that implies encouragement. It means that Epaphras was sending a word of encouragement to the brothers and sisters in Colossae. Epaphras was an encouraging person. And you know what else he was? He was also a man of prayer. Did you notice that? Going back to those verses, Paul says that Epaphras encouraged people. He sent greetings, and he also was a man who prayed. He prayed for other Christians. He prayed for these Christians. He prayed in such a way that Paul says that he was laboring earnestly in prayer. You know what that means? That means that when Epaphras prayed, he prayed hard. He prayed long and he prayed hard. He prayed so hard that it was like he was working. That's how hard Epaphras was praying for other Christians. He was a man who encouraged people and he prayed for people. And I'm going to tell you something. We need more people like that in the church today. We need more Epaphrases in the church today. We need less whiners. We need less complainers. We need less grumblers and people talking about all the things they don't like and they don't agree with. We need less people like that and we need more people who are like Epaphras. We need more encouragers. We need more people who are willing to send greetings. We need more people who are willing to offer words of encouragement and appreciation to the leaders of the church. And more people who are willing to write cards and send emails and text messages to the sick and the shut-ins in the church. And we need more people who are willing to be a ray of sunshine in people's lives instead of a dark cloud always bringing them down. We need more Epaphrases. In the church, we need more people who will encourage, and we also need more people praying. You can't ever have too many people praying in a church. We need more people praying like Epaphras. We need more people praying for the spiritual growth of members in the body of Christ. We need more people praying that people will grow in their understanding of Jesus and their knowledge of Jesus. We need more people pulling out those family talks and praying for every one of those people mentioned in there every single day. We need more people praying for the elders and for the deacons and for the Bible class teachers and for the preachers. We need more people praying for evangelism. We need more people praying that we have open doors to reach lost people with the gospel in a city of five million people. We need more people praying for brethren and other parts of the world that we don't even know. And they don't have the religious freedoms like we have here in America. You can't ever have too many Epaphrases in the church. We need more people encouraging. And we need more people who are praying. But there's a third person mentioned in this list we need to talk about. And that's this guy named Demas. 
Well, you go back to Colossians 4, Colossians 4, and notice how in verse 14, after mentioning Luke, Paul also mentions Demas. Now, this is not the only time that Demas is mentioned here in the Bible. Demas is also mentioned in the book of Philemon. He's mentioned in Philemon, verse number 24. There he's called a fellow worker. He's called a fellow worker of the apostle Paul. But go to 2 Timothy again with me this morning and look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. We went there a few minutes ago. But notice 2 Timothy 4 again and verse number 10. Remember, 2 Timothy is the last inspired epistle written by the Apostle Paul. It was written in about 67 AD, not long before Paul was killed by the Roman governor, government. It was written about four years, about four years after Colossians. And in verse number 10, Paul says, For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Again, 2 Timothy is written in 67 AD. And Colossians is written in about 63 AD. You know what that means? That means that somewhere, somewhere in those four years, between those four years, Demas fell away. Demas left the Lord. Demas left the service of God and he went back out into the world. That is the most interesting thing that we can say about Demas, who's mentioned there in Colossians 4. And I guess the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Is what happened to Demas, can that also happen to us? Can that happen to me? Can that happen to you? You better believe it can happen to me and you. It can happen to every single one of us. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that it can even happen to him. And he was an apostle. Go in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Corinthians, he says this in verse number 26, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 26, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself would not be disqualified. Notice how Paul tells us that even though he was an apostle, even though he has seen the risen Savior on the Damascus Road, even though he had the power to perform miraculous spiritual gifts and impart those gifts, even though he was receiving direct revelation from the Holy Spirit, Paul says he could fall away. Paul says that if he didn't discipline himself, he could be dis spiritually disqualified. He could leave the Lord. Paul says that that was a real possibility for him. And if that was a possibility for an apostle, you better believe it's a possibility for us. It's a possibility for me and you. It can happen to every single one of us. You know why? Because the devil's busy. Oh, the devil's busy. He's busy. He's active. He's roaming. He's seeking who he may spiritually devour, just like he spiritually devoured demons. You see, if we don't strive to grow, if we don't strive to mature and get stronger and discipline ourselves as the people of God, just like demons, we need to understand that we can go right back to where we started.
We can go right back to the world. We can go right back to a life of sexual immorality and drugs and hanging out with the wrong people and compromising our godly principles. That stuff happened to Demas and it can also happen to us. Demas was a fellow worker with the Apostle Paul by the time Paul wrote the book Colossians. But just four years later, something happened to him. The devil got a hold of him. He bought the devil's lies. He left the Lord. And he went back into the world. Paul says Demas. Demas left the Lord. But there's one more person I want to say something about very quickly. And it's the guy mentioned in verse number 17, this guy, Archippus. I want to say something about Archippus. Notice how as Paul closes Colossians, he mentions this guy named Archippus. Now, this is not the only time Archippus is mentioned in the Bible. Archippus is also mentioned in Philemon. He's mentioned in Philemon, verse number two. There he's called a fellow soldier in the army of God. But here in Colossians four, Paul gives him a reminder. He reminds him of something. He reminds him to stay focused. He reminds him to keep working. He reminds him to make sure that he fulfills his ministry. Why would the Apostle Paul have to tell him that? Why would the Apostle Paul have to tell Archippus to fulfill his ministry? Well, I don't know the exact answer to that question, but what I do know is this. I do know that sometimes we need that same reminder, don't we? Sometimes we need the same reminder as Archippus. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the pledge of allegiance we made to Jesus Christ on the day in which we got baptized. Sometimes we need to be reminded of our need to make good and godly decisions and fulfill the responsibilities we have as the people of God. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the obligation we have to Jesus to be pure. And to not try to blend in with the rest of the world and to forgive. And to let go of bitterness and to not hold grudges and to love and be kind and be patient and have some self-control. And to work. And to share our faith and to look for various avenues in which we can serve our brothers and our sisters in Christ. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to close this letter by reminding Archippus to keep working for the Lord and do what he promised the Lord that he was going to do. And sometimes we need that same reminder in our lives today. And I realize there are many other names mentioned by Paul in that chapter. I get that. But from these four, what I hope you will take away is this. I hope you will take away that everything in the Bible matters. Everything in the Bible is important. Everything in the Bible matters. Even the names matter. You see, every one of those names you see in Colossians 4, those are real people. They were real people. They were real Christians. They were real disciples who served alongside with the Apostle Paul in the kingdom of God. Some of them were weak for a time and became strong. Some of them were strong and became weak. Some of them just sadly fell away. 
They're not as well known as Paul and Peter and, and the apostle John, but they were kingdom citizens. They were Christians, people who were part of the spiritual family. The question is, are you part of the spiritual family? Are you part of the same family that they were part of? If, you're, if you are not currently, then you have an opportunity in just a few seconds as we get ready to sing this invitation song to, to make the decision to, to become part of God's family. You do that by believing in Jesus. You have faith in Jesus and you repent of your sins. You turn away from sin. You confess Jesus as the Lord and you get baptized, buried in water so that Jesus can spiritually circumcise you and cut off your sins. If that's what you need right now, we're going to sing this song and invite you to come to the front. Let's stand. Let's sing.